0: It is well. It is well with me. Because my eyes are on you. Isn't it amazing that we can sing that? And not just sing it as a hope, but sing it as a reality. Yeah? Yeah. I find that extraordinary. It is well. It is well. I'm going to show you a little video. Uh, Some of you um, will remember this. Some of you will have never seen this. Um, and while they're pulling that up, if you've got a Bible, uh, uh, switch it on. <laughs> if you've got a Bible, uh, switch it on or open it. Uh, we're going to look in a moment at, um, uh, John eight. Okay. And we'll go there in a moment, but I just want to show you this. And then, um, yeah. Roll VT. Hmm? Hey, Dumbo! yeah. <laughs> showed you the German version because it's in, it's in every language. It's the same. It says, be careful what you do with your last Rolo. <laughs> and this was a, a marketing ploy, and some of you remember that, and some of you have seen it for the first time, but uh, that made a massive impression on me as a kid. I just thought it was so funny that an elephant would do that, you know. <laughs> but the the point is that it was a marketing ploy, and it was saying, you know. These Rolos are so nice; they will create selfishness in you and rob you of kindness. Doesn't actually say that, but that's the message, because there's a whole series of adverts for Rolo that promote selfishness, and they change their branding. They change the way it's, it's now. Y- do you love somebody enough to give them your last Rolo? And uh, and s- they they've subtly changed because they've wised up to the fact that that's negative and it needs to be positive. But you see, that's the way of the world. Selfishness is very easily fed. It's very easily uh, uh, something that affects us and controls us. and, And it's the very thing that will rob us of being all that God has called us to be as children of God. Because one of the things that we're called to manifest as children of God is kindness. And I want to come back to this thought about kindness. And if we're going to be kind, what does that look like? What does, how is that going to manifest in us? Does it mean that all we do is give away our last rollo? Actually, I think it's, going to be a, it's got to be a little bit more than that. You see, um, I was listening to uh, Ravi Zachariah. Uh, speak, and if you don't know who he is, he's an apologist, an evangelist, extremely intelligent man. Uh, and he was talking about the fact that he'd been at the Passion Conference with forty thousand students, and um, over a weekend. And he said, over that weekend, with forty thousand students from uh, across the world, uh, at this one event. The biggest counseling issue, what well, they had two massive counseling issues that, that manifested way above any other counseling issues uh, once they reviewed the, the counseling uh, statistics, and there they were these two issues. These were the two biggest problems that these students were facing, and one was pornography, and the second was suicide. These two issues were the biggest issues for young people in this generation in this snapshot of time. And he said this. He said, they're the same issue. And, and he got my attention. How can pornography and suicide be the same issue? And he said this. He said, pornography is the denuding of others. Suicide is the denuding of self. And it got me thinking. And all week, uh, this has been going round and round in my thinking. Goodness me, the issue in society, pornography feeds it, but suicide is the consequence of it. This denuding of self, this devaluing of others, um, making others feel worthless, devaluing them Pornography devalues women, uh, but men also, but it devalues others. That's the whole thing that drives and energizes this uh, awful thing that is uh, stalking our young people and preying on some of you in this room, because it does. It, It stalks, it's subtle, it sneaks up on you. You're kind of just grazing through YouTube looking for car videos. And then in the strip down the side comes some scantily clad lady. And if you don't turn away, you turn to it. You have to choose to not want to devalue others or to devalue yourself by devaluing others. You have to choose to do something right And choose not to do something wrong. It comes down to choice. But there's a pressure. There's a pressure. And devaluing others is all about wanting my rights at your expense. It's all about me and what I want. And you don't really matter as much as me. Because I'm more important to me than you. It's it's the fuel that selfishness has in our spirit in our life and i want to look better than you i'm going to stand on your shoulders to reach my goals and it doesn't matter it's going to i will use you to help me win it's devaluing others it's demeaning others your thoughts your rights your needs your wants they don't matter to me as much as my rights my wants, my desires. And it's prevalent. It's prevalent in society. We, we, uh, I could be very political. You, could, you can see it in, in our politics at the moment. People saying, I've got the answer. I'm the one that needs to be the PM. I'm the one. I'm the one. I've got the experience. doesn't matter about you. I'm going to pull you down so I can stand up. I bite my tongue and refuse to run down that rabbit trail, but your mistakes, your dilemmas, your problems, they don't matter to me unless I can make capital out of them, and then if I can, as long as I feel good, it's going to be okay. That's what it means to devalue others, and there's so many other illustrations that you could think of, I'm sure, about devaluing others. But what about devaluing self? What does that mean? Denuding self, devaluing self that leads to suicide. This this attitude that says I can do whatever I like, regardless, to hell with the consequences, because I matter. Then suddenly, when I realize that uh, my thoughts don't matter, People really don't want to know what I think. They don't really care about me. My ideas are no good. My dreams, they won't come true. I'll never amount to anything. My career's advice from Mr. Babs, sitting in the lecture theatre in Plimstock Comprehensive School, was Bill, you will, no, it wasn't Bill, it was Chapman, you'll uh, amount to sweet F.A. That was my career's advice. I remember him coming into fish and chip shop and I served him with real cockiness. (laughs) Mr. Babs, I've come to something. I was a businessman, (laughs) struggling and failing in reality. But in that moment, in that moment, you're just a teacher, I'm a businessman. (laughs) This is sweet F8. (laughs) But you see, Selfishness, if I, if I lose my value in my sight because nobody else values me, suicide is an easy option. And it's the biggest killer of men. It's horrendous. It's horrendous. Because the world is saying, you don't matter. And men believe it. Because you see, men... uh, I listen to a lot of people um, because I feed myself. And if you want to listen to a really interesting... Men, if you want to... Ladies, you can listen to it for information and understanding. Okay? Men, you need to listen to it because it will help you take a grip and get a life. It's Jordan Peterson, and it's a talk called... The Meaning of Life for Men. And he talks about the fact, uh, it, it's, it, he's a very intelligent man, and he, he's not a Christian, but he's, he's got some God principles in, in his understanding of, he's a sociologist, and he, he, he understands how people tick. And he, he, he's got a, a handle on the fact that there is a God shape in us, a God design in us, and he does some interesting talks on the Bible, about, the, uh, about it being the most important book in all of man's history, which I find interesting. But he says this, he says, uh, when women instinctively take responsibility. They instinctively take responsibility because they ha- raise children. Now, he's talking with, br- he does say, he's talking with broad brushstrokes. And there are some ladies that don't take responsibility, uh, you know, seriously, But he says, Men, we don't take responsibilities instinctively. It's a choice that we have to make. It's not instinctive. Instinctively, we can be quite selfish. But we have to make a choice to take responsibility. And he uses this expression take the load, take a load. And men have to make a choice to be responsible, to actually step up. You see, because if we don't, we can begin to think less of ourselves and begin to live at that level. It, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I do. But if we actually take responsibility, actually, it does matter what I think, and it does matter what I do. I'm going to do something positive. I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to be a good father. I'm going to be a good worker. I'm going to be... All that are meant to be. And then when you factor in God, suddenly we begin to live in light of the revelation that He says we're valuable. And suddenly it really does matter. It doesn't matter so much what I think, it matters what He thinks about me. And as a consequence of that, I choose to live differently. I'm going to take you to the Bible in a minute. I'm just laying a foundation of hopefully understanding and challenge that we have to be people of responsibility. We have to choose to exercise kindness because kindness really matters. Kindness is a key to unlocking situations and circumstances, setting people free. When we understand the kindness of God to us, wow, we can sing the songs that we've sung this morning. We can pray with a, with a simpleness that is just refreshing because, God, you know my heart. I don't have to have eloquence in my prayer. I can just have passion. And it can just be, God, thank you for loving me. Oh, Thank you that it is well with my soul because of you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In 2 Samuel 9, verse 1, David asks this brilliant question. He says, Uh, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan was his friend. Jonathan had shown kindness to David, and Jonathan had lost his life, and Jonathan has gone, and David is king. And then this thing crosses his mind. Is there anybody left? Is there anybody left of, of that family that I can show kindness to? And his servant says, yes, there is. There's a guy called Mephibosheth who's actually crippled and he's in hiding because he's in fear of his life because he's of that dynasty and there's a new dynasty. And the tradition was that this new dynasty wipes out any of the surviving members of that dynasty so that they can't bring uh, pressure and intimidation and, and come back to try and take over the throne. So they do, um, do away with them all. And so, Mephibosheth is thinking that David's going to track him down and kill him, and so he's in hiding, and he got he was crippled as he's, as his nurse carried him as a young child, running and fleeing. She dropped him, and and he ends up crippled. And David tracks him down and brings him into his own house, and sits him at the table with his own children. And I love the picture of Mephibosheth, this crippled lad, thinking or man thinking that he's. his, his days are numbered, actually being seated at the table of the king with the king's children. And there is no recognition. Nobody can see his damaged leg because it's under the table. They all look the same to the king. And I love that picture of the kindness of David. That's such a picture of the kindness of God that he sees you and me exactly the same because of his kindness. He's forgiven us because of Jesus going to the cross. We are able to say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And you can say it, no matter what journey you've been on, no matter what you've been caught in, no, no matter what been, you've been caught up with, no matter who has devalued you or how you devalue yourself, God says, I am giving you worth. Because I'm inviting you to sit at my table. I'm inviting you to sit at my table. That's extraordinary. And Colossians 3:12 says this. I'm getting to John 8 in a moment. Uh, Colossians 3:12 says this: "Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. It's a choice to be kind. You can go, nah, 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 nah. But God says, don't do that. Don't do that. Choose to be kind. Choose to be kind. It will have a lasting effect. I remember the unkind picture, but I don't want to be remembered as unkind. I want to be remembered as somebody who'll give you my last Rolo. I did think of having boxes of Rolos and giving them away, but I thought, no, 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 that would not be fair to your diet. (laughs) <laughs> I'm kind. I'm kind. So let's come to John 8, and let's see what kindness looks like. Let's, let's show you Jesus in a story, in a situation where kindness is used as the antidote when others devalue somebody, and then when somebody is devaluing themselves but let me just paint the picture. Uh, Jesus is in Jerusalem, and it's, the, it's it's a particular feast that's going on where the, the priests have gone uh, to um, gather water, what everybody in the community would have known as living water. The pool of Bethsaida was fed by springs, and this water was technically, they, because it wasn't stagnant water, still water, it was being fed with, it was, they called it living water. And so they go and collect this living water and bring it to the temple on the day of this this festival. And they pour this water out on the steps and they say, anyone who's thirsty can come and drink. And they're saying that God will give them, uh, will quench their thirst. And then Jesus walks up onto the steps, these wet steps covered in water. And he says, hey, 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 I'm the living water. I'm the living water. Anyone who's thirsty, come and drink of me. And he's, he's showing that he's, he's putting himself in the picture. And suddenly people are going, I don't get it. I, but this is Jesus. And uh, he's calling himself living water. And so there's this picture of Jesus saying, I'm the one. I'm the one that gives life. I'm the one. I'm the one. And so he, he disappears from the scene. comes back at dawn the next morning. We're going to pick it up in uh, ch- chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. So Jesus walked up the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night. Then at dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts again, and soon all the people gathered around to listen to his words. So he sat down and taught them. Then in the middle of his teaching, the religious scholars and Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone. Then they said to Jesus, Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to death a woman like this? Tell us, what do you say we should do with her? They were only testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the law of Moses. Here you have this incredible picture of these men devaluing this woman. Because they, uh, they've they got no respect for her. She's broken the law. She's been committing adultery. And so they, they are publicly devaluing her. They're publicly shaming her. They bring her into a crowd in the middle of everyone. And they talk about her. We caught her. What do we do with her? Shouldn't we kill her? And they're devaluing her and demeaning her and Embarrassing her. And they're using it to make capital for themselves. They're using it to try and trap Jesus so that they show that he's not who he says he is and we are the people who really understand who God is. And they're using, they're belittling her to raise themselves up. They're embarrassing her. They're, They're making capital out of her because they don't care about her. They care about themselves. So they're, they're, it's easy for them to devalue her because she's, she's been doing wrong. That's terrible. We don't ever do wrong. We are righteous men. We are holy men. We are God men. And then Jesus speaks. But not straight away. But Jesus didn't answer them. Instead, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust, With his finger. Now I actually happen to think he's answering them there. And I'll show you why in a minute. Angry. They kept insisting that he answer their question. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said, Let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. And here is kindness being demonstrated to them. The kindness of Jesus is the challenge of conviction. The kindness of Jesus is saying, okay, okay, we need to follow the law, but if you've never had a sinful desire, because if you think it, it's as bad as doing it, remember, he talks about that. So he's saying, if you've never had a sinful desire, then you cast the first stone. So his kindness is actually protecting them from hypocrisy. His kindness is actually challenging them to a better standard than they've manifested so far. His kindness to them is stopping them from being hypocrites, <laughs> more than maybe they are. But he's, he's manifesting kindness to them. You see, I think it's kind to tell somebody something that's really difficult. It's kind. You know, it's really kind When Ellen says to me, Bill, you're being an idiot. It's very rare, just to let you know. It's very rare. It's only maybe once a day. (laughs) But it's a kindness. Uh, At times, I rebel against that kindness. Say, no, I'm not. What are you you talking about? And I get full of bluster because I matter to me. Uh, But her kindness can cause me to actually change and actually think about my actions. And See, kindness doesn't mean always being nice. Sometimes kindness means being straight. And here he is being straight. And then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the dust. I'll finish reading and then I'll come back to this. Upon hearing that, her accusers slowly left the crowd one at a time beginning with the oldest to the youngest with a convicted conscience. Until finally, Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and said to her, dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. And Jesus said, then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go, and from now on, be free from a life of sin. Here's the kindness of a Savior that says, listen, I'm not condemning you. I'm not condemning you. I want my kindness to build a conviction in you that you can choose to live differently than the way you have been living I want you to value yourself more than you have been valuing yourself. I I want you to stop being selfish and I want you to stop doing the things that are going to get you into trouble and get you into difficulty. I want you to put more value into you than you've been doing so far and I'm going to show you how much I value you. I'm not condemning you. I'm going to be kind to you and I'm going to challenge you to live a different life. And you see, when we have an encounter with the kindness of Christ, it causes us to think and choose to act differently, to take responsibility for actually playing my part and doing what I should do and being who I'm meant to be. Let me come back to Jesus writing in the sand. Let me, if you've got your Bible, whoops, I just switched mine off, come, come to Jeremiah uh, 17, verse 13. And I wonder. You see, the the, the Jewish tradition of teaching was to um, l- l- give you influence towards the answer. Not to tell you the answer, but to give you influence towards the answer so that as you get... Uh, Search for yourself, suddenly there'll become a re- point of revelation where you get it, and when, you've, when you get it, you've got it. Do you understand what I mean? When you get it, you've got it. It, it suddenly becomes yours. <gasps> I understood, not because you've been told it, but because you found it. And so you own it. And so there's this hint, and, and I, I wonder, I wonder, nobody will ever know until we can stand before him and say, uh, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, Jesus, what did you write in the sand? What was that about? And I, I just wonder, because the, the new is in the old concealed, and the old is in the new revealed. You understand that? So in Jeremiah 17, verse 13, it says, Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust. Because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Remember, just before this experience, Jesus makes this declaration. He's the spring of living water. And this Old Testament prophet is saying that there will be people who forsake the one who is the spring of living water and their names will be written in the dust i just wonder i just wonder i just wonder my thought is can you see how kindness can bring challenge to people who devalue others can you see that Can you see how kindness can bring value to someone who is trapped in a devalued lifestyle? Can you see that? Then I want to say this. Their rights are your responsibility. Their rights, everybody else's rights, is your responsibility. You have a responsibility before God to be kind, And that means that you do not devalue others. Not jokingly, not in a, oh, oh, I was just joking. That drives me insane. People will say nasty things and then say, I didn't really mean it, I was just joking. Oh, you got offended. Oh, and they put the problem on you. No, 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 don't devalue others. Don't devalue others. I I was... um, (laughs) I've had, very, I've had loads of time to think about this, very little time to clarify my thoughts on paper. And so I thought, Lord, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to go with my spirit and go with you, Holy Spirit, leading me and guiding me. And the thing that rose up in me was this challenge. Their rights are your responsibility. It, you have to take responsibility. And I've really sensed that God was telling me, drive that nail out of sight. Do you understand that expression? As a carpenter, when you're driving nails, you, 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 kind of, you can tap them and tap them and tap them and tap them. Eventually, they'll go flush. But I'll tell you what. If you whack them, you really drive them, they can disappear into the wood. You, and, and that I want to drive this truth out of sight so it's deep inside your spirit so it becomes more of who you are than you realize and that your kindness will overflow as you take responsibility to be kind. And men, we have to make a choice. Ladies, it's more intuitive and it's more instinctive, but men, we have to make a choice. Uh, But listen, I've met some pretty unpleasant women. And maybe they weren't as pretty as I've just made it sound. (laughs) But I've also met, met many more unpleasant men. Because it's easy for men to be sarcastic. It's easy for men to pull others down. It's easy, it's belittling, it's, it's kind of, oh, it's blokey humor. And, and I understand humor, and, I, and I'm not wanting to be a square and just say, you know, don't mess around and don't take the mick out of people. Me and my brothers, we take the mick out of each other all the time. And, it, and we understand, and we've got, we've got boundaries and lines and stuff that we don't cross. Not that we've kind of marked them out, it's just that we, instinctively we're more about for each other than against each other. And when we're four people, kindness should overwhelm us. So that actually when you've got the cutting comment, that comeback that will just put them down, you you swallow it. You don't dish it out. And you allow kindness to actually be the burden that you carry, the challenge that you choose to live with, and you pick up your load, your burden, your cross. To be kind when people are unpleasant. To be kind when people don't deserve to be kind. To be kind when people have been caught in sin. To be kind when others are devaluing. And you're kind enough to stand up and defend them and stand against them. And that, that's not you lot over here. I'm pointing to <laughs> Yeah, you're nice. This lot over here. Whoa. (laughs) No, actually, no, it's, no, it's, (laughs) no, this is better. No. But it's a choice. It's a choice. And I just wanted to take a few minutes this morning and show you what the kindness of Jesus looks like in a situation where a woman could have lost a life and men could have lost sight of who they really are and I want to say let's make a choice let's make a choice to be kind let's take responsibility to be kind and maybe just maybe people might look at you and say they're a little bit like Jesus the one they say they follow wouldn't that be good Wouldn't that be good? That people could see a little bit more of Christ in you because you're kind. Just not nice. Nice is great, kind is better. Okay? So, that's my notes. That's my heart. And I think it's God's passion. So, Father. Thank you for being kind to us. Thank you for being kind to me. Thank you for being kind to me when I didn't know you. Thank you for your kindness that meant that, Jesus, you went to the cross because you love me. Because you love me. And you're... You want me to know your kindness, your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you that your kindness trumps religion. Thank you that your kindness trumps superstition. Thank you that your kindness trumps anything in my small mind that says that I'm not worthy. Your kindness cuts through that and embraces me and forgives me and points me in the direction of a life that isn't controlled by sin, but it is controlled by you, Holy Spirit. And I thank you for your grace and your favor. And I pray that in this place, kindness would be a watchword. That in this place, kindness would be a watchword. Lord, that I would pause when cutting comments so easily rise to my lips. Lord, that kindness would show something of you to those around me. That I would begin to manifest this fruit of your spirit in me so that others might be drawn to your kindness. And it will give you glory. It will give you glory and then peace. So Holy Spirit, have your way through us and in us that your kingdom would come because we've made a choice to take our responsibility seriously, that we are choosing to be kind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.